0: Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in our life, it kind of behooves us to get to know certain people and get to know them very, very well, right? Like for instance, your spouse would be an obvious one. You need to know that person very, very well. Your kids, you should know them. Know what makes them tick. Your parents, you should get to know them and know what makes them tick. Probably you could throw in a few others. Um, wouldn't hurt to know a boss, for instance. Maybe it wouldn't hurt to know a pastor, for instance. But there's one, I think, that rises above all others. Different kind of relationship, but but more impactful than any of those by far. And, and that is knowing Jesus. And, and here you need to know about him yes but you also need to know him you cuz you're going to be interacting and you need to be interacting with Jesus as a disciple of Jesus and you know there there are ways to do both of those things some of it is experiential that you experience Jesus through through your prayer life and then you experience Jesus as you step out to serve him as you can experience Jesus as you worship him but largely, these things are are bolstered or tested by what we learn from Scripture. The Gospels big big source of information about Jesus, but also prophecies. And prophecies, you know, they are a little different. They're telling you about Jesus before he actually shows up on the on the scene, and you get from it what's in its content, but I think you get a little bit more when you think about how the prophet received the prophecy in the first place. And I've said more than once, Isaiah, to me, as, as I look at his prophecies, what he is getting from God is something akin to a, a PowerPoint. I mean, it has its content. It could have been audio. It could have been video. But there's a step-by-step-by-step change within it. And I'd like for us to uh, watch Isaiah's PowerPoint in Isaiah chapter 11. So if you take a look at that text, again, the Old Testament reading for today, we're going to look at what he says and how it might have been presented to him. And at first, we want to ask the question I think we all know the conclusion for. Who is this about? Is it really about Jesus? Can people argue that it's not? And of course, the conclusion, foregone conclusion in this room is, yes, it is. But another question is, is, is this the way I see jesus or, or have i got a slightly twisted perception of him so it starts off like this a shoot will come up from the stump of jesse and from his roots a branch will bear fruit a very similar verse quoted in the epistles that's slide number one what does he see why does he even talk this way Jesse, first of all, is the father of David, and it's just a sort of a cultural thing to not say, David's stump. You know, they take it back to, to his father, somebody considered even greater, Jesse's stump. But why is he a stump? That doesn't sound very flattering, and it's not. So the promise was to David that you'd have somebody sitting on your throne forever, But as you moved along through Davidic kings, they got to be kind of, well, irritating to God. Extremely irritating to God. Disgusting. So during Isaiah's lifetime, the Davidic line would be booted out of office. It's not that there weren't relatives of David. Mary and Joseph later are both relatives of David, but nobody would be in power. So he calls it a stump, but yet he sees that there's going to be this branch that comes out of that stump. Now, I don't know about you, I I bought my house in 2000, and it had trees around it. Before I even moved in, one had fallen over. Since that time, we have had to cut down or cut up Every tree that was planted around that house, we've replaced them all. Now they're all gone, the original set. And and if you've cut down a tree, you know, you try to get the stump and you try to get the roots, but there's always some root that's out there that's still kind of alive. And the next summer, it starts to shoot up little bits of the tree right through your grass where you don't want it, Right? So you just mow it down, mow it down until finally it it, it goes away. At least that's what I do. Well, here's the picture. This stump looks dead, but it's not. And this branch grows up. Who's the branch? Well, it's going to be Jesus, I I can assure you. And it will bear fruit. What's the fruit? Let's just leave that as a cliffhanger and, and go on. The next verses, talking about this branch. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The first slide narrowed the Messiah search down to a descendant of David, right? This slide narrows it down to somebody whose characteristics can be described by the... Now, I I suppose, depending how, how strict you are with evaluating these things, you could say, well, a lot of people might fit this, but none fit it quite like Jesus does. This is what he's like. He's wise. He's understanding. He's understanding of you. He's powerful. He's able to give good counsel. He's got all kinds of knowledge, knowledge to share. And one of the things he shares, and it, and it sort of bothers people to hear about it, but it is fear of the Lord. And this is fear in a good sense. Not fear of somebody who's capricious or will do something that is unjust, but rather as somebody who's powerful, very powerful, and you should respect it that he's powerful. So that's the next slide. Let's go on to the third. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. You know, when you think about Jesus, there are sometimes that it's very clear that he did not hear something first or see something first. He knew what was in the person's heart and he jumped right to that issue. Sometimes some people caught it. Some people did as went right on. I think about how he dealt with the rich young ruler, for instance. If you know that story, the guy wanted to know what I must do to to inherit eternal life. And he believed that he had kept all the laws and Jesus could see where his weakest spot was. So he just, he gently told him, okay, you kept all the laws. Sell all you have and give to the poor. Then follow me. And he didn't do it to be mean. He, he did it to make the person finally aware, aware of where his problems lied and aware that the whole question, what must I do to inherit eternal life was a mad question. There's nothing I can do. I have too many problems. Jesus did it there. He did it to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is being all political. And Jesus says, you must be born again. And, you know, Nicodemus flips out. He didn't even ask the question. He didn't even notice that he hadn't asked the question. But Jesus knows things beyond what he sees and hears. And that will be true on Judgment Day as well. There is no fooling God. You can't fake it with a religious veneer. He sees to the core. Know that he sees to the core. Don't be fake. You don't have to be fake. And when it, we are judged and our deeds are judged for whether we're rewarded or not, you know, know that your, even your motives matter, not just your end product. Because Jesus sees that. And it is his preference. And it's important to know this. His preference for people who are repentant and humble. And as the Bible uses the word meek for that reason. Next one. The next one's really the hardest one. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Is that in your Jesus picture? Probably not for most of us, right? But there is this aspect of of Jesus that is true. We call it his alien nature because it's really not what he wants to be. It's what he's forced to be by people's sinful actions and by constantly ignoring the fact that they have sinful actions. There will come a time that, that this is very true about Jesus. Now, there is sort of a double entendre here to strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, you know, it kind of gives you this picture of him pulling this giant rebar out of his mouth and whacking people with it. And granted, there is a picture of Jesus in Revelation where he pulls a two-edged sword out of his mouth. Now, he's not some sort of circus guy, you know, pulling it out. But he's saying the power of his word is to be reckoned with, right? So just the springing into the world of both God's law, and God's promise, the gospel, changes life. It's changed the world. It changed our world significantly. So that's striking the earth with the rod of his mouth. But it also will have, as as it certainly is intended or implied here, uh, a violent aspect to it. For come judgment day... There will be the full destruction of the earth and it won't be with any other means than his words. He speaks it and it happens. And he will slay the wicked. Now, you got to ask, what does it mean to be slain when you are a creature that's meant to be eternal? It means that the wicked, those who have rejected Jesus's salvation and stand still in their own sins, their bodily existence as it is at the moment will end. and they will be cast out from God's presence. That's what will be what will happen by Jesus' words. And while that's frightening, the next verse kind of modifies that for us. Righteousness will be his belt, faithfulness a sash around his waist. Does Isaiah see Jesus standing there with a belt and a sash? Does he see his heart, how he acts? He will act righteous. He will be Faithful. You don't have to worry about God not seeing you correctly. Uh, if anything, you have to worry about him seeing you correctly. <laughs> and he looks at us, and he looks at us with mercy. And the last slide in this particular prophecy is is all the rest. It, it is a picture of what happens after Judgment Day. Now for people who read this before Jesus came I don't think they understood because they didn't have historical hindsight and they didn't have the Holy Spirit helping them. They didn't understand the the depth of time of this. They thought it was all going to be, you know, whenever this Messiah arrived all of it would happen. And and it isn't that way. The the true striking of the world Hasn't happened yet. And and these things haven't happened yet, but they will. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion, the yearling together. A little child will lead them. A cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. It is a picture of a recreated, harmonized nature that will be there. And while don't put your hand into vipers' nests right now, there'll come a day and they will be fine. Uh, they won't harm or destroy. So this is the the picture of Jesus and somewhat what Jesus will do that Isaiah gets at this particular prophecy. Let me ask you, is this your picture of Jesus? Or or are you off on some of these things? For instance, maybe not in this room, but certainly in this world, there are people who thought he would be a warrior or an earthly king. That rot of the mouth stuff and slaying the wicked and prophecies like that, that fed that idea. But they didn't understand that Jesus' main war was with Satan. And where it did impact people would be Judgment Day. It didn't happen before then. The Jesus of his first coming is a Jesus... Who speaks mercy to people because that's the way he is. For those who think of Jesus as then just tolerating evil, just sitting back in inaction when evil's about, you know, they, they read the world and they see evil prosper and they think, hey, I myself can, can be ignored by God. And you should know that he sees right to the core. And he will act. He will act on all of it. On the flip side, you could say, well, because of my evil, there's no forgiveness for me. But the same thing can be applied there. He sees your circumstances. He sees if there's repentance there. He sees your potential. Once you get rid of sinful nature... And he loves that, and he desires that. And for those who look at the world and all its problems, their personal lives and all its problems, and think that God is far off, apathetic about all of it, they don't realize that God, yeah, has backed up a little bit for sin and the curse, but he still can be found. He's still very near. And he will produce fruit, it said. And what's the fruit now? The fruit is us. That branch that breaks out of the stump of Jesse will produce saved people with eternal lives and new lives right now. It turns out. That it's a salvation tree. If there, maybe coined that kind of thing, that's what Jesus is. So then, is this prophecy simply one for your information? You know, you can read it and go, "Well, that's interesting," and walk away. Then I would say, definitely not. You know, it is critically important to know who the Messiah was, and critically important to know what he's like. This. Informs that sort of thing. His actions can be misinterpreted very easily. These words help us to see what Jesus is doing now and know what he will do in the future and to act appropriately. This is information that gives hope. Not just I hope it happens, but I know. These good things will happen because Jesus has come, and he is faithful. And finally, it is information that transforms. Because anybody who understands that they are called to be a disciple of Jesus tries to imitate their master. Granted, as far as omniscience, omnipotence, those kind of things, you can't imitate it. Uh, it's beyond you. Nor are you called to get r- the rod out of your mouth and start whacking people. But but you can bring God's Word, and that aspect of it you can do. And you can act with justice and righteousness and love. Not just because you're imitating but because Jesus dwells in you. So consider these words. Consider the pictures that must have went along with them, maybe the audio, and hear it for yourself, how it applies to you. And may you walk with somebody you know very, very well. May you walk with Jesus in his name. Amen.